Presents Spooky South Ghost with your hosts Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz as well. How are you guys tonight? Fine. Doing good. Matt, I noticed that the, uh, is that the spooky open back in the computer? No, that's a negative. iPod. You gotta love the iPod. Any, either one of you guys gonna run out and get the new iPhone? Have you heard about the uh, the huge disaster with the new iPhone? No. They called it Ipocalypse. Apparently, uh, all these millions of new iPhones, uh, people ran out and bought them yesterday, and then when they tried to connect to them, the Apple network wasn't working. So they weren't able to actually use them, which is fine because when you spend three, four hundred dollars for a, for a phone, you don't need to use it, right? Yeah. It's just a status symbol. Actually, you know, everybody seems to be getting these iPhones, and it's going to take a long time for me to, to make any kind of switch. One, because my service provider doesn't utilize the iPhone, but also because, you know, it took me forever to get an iPod, and I, I can, I'm convinced now it's the greatest invention ever. Yes. But uh, I, I don't know how the iPhone. Matt Moniz just has a couple of tin cans and string, <laughs> but he's got wireless tin cans. He has the string just going straight up in the air. <laughs> so now he can uh, get anything. He doesn't. He, this guy doesn't even like text messaging. I think he's on to something, because I found out text messaging rates are going up for my service provider next month. So anybody that text messages me, don't, don't do it anymore, or else I'm going to send you a bill for twenty cents. It takes longer to send a text. Just pick up the phone and call. I know. That's why <laughs> I have a cell phone so that I can talk to people. And if I don't want to talk to you, I don't answer the phone. I mean, that's pretty much how it goes. No offense to all the people who've been trying to get back to me today for coming on the show. But uh, there's certain times when the phone just goes off. So uh, what's been going on, guys? We we haven't really had a chance to talk amongst ourselves here on Spooky South Coast the last few weeks. We've had such great guests, we've kind of jumped right into the shows. No, nothing going on? I got my car back today. Really? Congratulations. Uh, you know what? The deer didn't get his life back today, though. So. No. <laughs> so uh, how's, the, uh, how's it looking? Pretty neat. All right. No, uh, no deer intestine left inside or anything. Uh, no. Great, they do a good job. And I know he was mad because he uh, he actually didn't get to go back and pick up the deer because he was having one of his uh, barbecues, famous barbecues the next day. Yeah, that thing exploded on impact. <laughs> it's uh, it's an it's an experiment you don't want to reconduct later on. No, very expensive. <laughs> He's happy with the results of the first one, I guess. Yeah. So, and uh, I know that you're going to be next week at TapsCon. Down in Florida, with just a huge lineup of guests. Uh, I know Lauren Coleman had to pull out um, due to a family situation, uh, so our best goes out to Lauren. Hopefully, uh, everything's okay. But uh, there'll still be a whole bunch of other great guests down there. I mean, everybody yeah. from you and the guys from Taps to Chris Kirkpatrick from Insync's Foundation is going to be represented there, and and uh, some of the people from Survivor. I mean, it's. Diverse group of speakers. Linda Blair will be there signing autographs on Sunday. She'll be there Saturday, but she'll be signing the autographs on Sunday. You have um, UFO people like Peter Robbins will be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, believe it or not, Jeff Bolzano may even show up, and I'll let him you know Je- borrow Jeff a corner Bolzano. of my table. And is stuff. that 
Is that Jeff Balzano, he says? Uh, Chris Balzano, sorry. <laughs> I was thinking about I was going to say, you've already put them together, like like Ben and Ben and Benifer, and what, what, what are the other ones? Well, where you find one, the other's not far exactly, away. Exactly, yeah. So they might as well be combined. There you go, guys. I'm sure uh, their wives will love that. <laughs> But and and of course you'll be there with some of uh, some of your equipment, some of your uh, samples that you've taken yeah. in UFO investigations. Uh, various um, casts from Bigfoot uh, cases, some soil samples from the Bent Waters, uh, pieces of Betty Hill's dress, various fossils of that will represent uh, what certain cryptozoological creatures are. Um, waiting, hopefully, if they get here in time, my pieces from crop circles and. Um, from cattle mutilations that's preserved. Yeah. I was going to say, just uh, random chunks of hamburger <laughs> on you. But now, uh, and also, aren't you going to be conducting some kind of raffle, or do you want to hold off the details on that until you get down there? Well, yeah, no, I can mention the raffle. Um, I'm taking small portions of each of these uh, parts of the exhibit, and for $10, there's only going to be 1,000 tickets. You get one of the Bigfoot casts, pieces of Betty Hill's dress. Uh, I've already worked out things with Leanne. You get a uh, night stay at the Lizzie Borden house, as, oh. well, as well as one of the bricks from from the building itself and all of this. Uh, I, I was trying to get a hold of Jason and Grant. I would talk to them earlier. Uh, along with that, you get to have like dinner and a small investigation with them there and stuff like that. That's part of the thing. Uh, I'm... I'm waiting for a gift certificate from uh, Tina Mattingly from Waverly. You know, you go you get to go on their tour there. You know, it's an all all encompassing type of paranormal thing. You know, you get your own little pieces and you get to go to these other places. You know, provide your own airfare and your own food and staying. Yeah. But, but I but get you, you get in the door. To, yeah. You get a chance to kind of get some background, you know, research stuff going and your chance to go out and add to that collection. So, yeah. I mean, for somebody who's just getting into the paranormal, it's perfect. And for somebody who's a seasoned investigator, it's a nice way to add stuff, uh, a couple more feathers into your cap. Yeah. You get access to stuff that you don't normally have uh, access to. And uh, also at TAPSCON, you know, you're going to try and talk to that Robert the Doll too, right? And I know that that was part of your plans. I've been talking with uh, Nancy Planeta and i um, trying to get her to let her let Robert stay in our room, room with us. Well, I'm rooming with Constantinos and uh, Peter Robbins. It's already an eclectic group in there to start with. That's already pretty scary. And uh, when you think about it, too, like there's been so many reports of, of haunted dolls and, and haunted uh, you know, items like that that I can imagine that you know Robert the doll is probably kind of mad, and he wants to start saying, hey, you know, I'm the original here. What's all this? Talking Tina crap. <laughs> Chucky my what? Yeah, exactly. So uh, we are Spooky South Coast. We talk about the paranormal here each and every Saturday night. And if you'd like to join in the discussion or share a paranormal experience or a question or a theory, you can give us a call at 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. In just a little bit, we'll be talking with Lisa Zierenberg of New England Paranormal and the Worldwide Paranormal Reporting Center about how you can report all of your findings in the paranormal world. And a little bit later on, we're going to check in with some uh, some local playwrights who have put together something special that we're going to be doing here on Spooky South Coast in a couple of weeks. So we'll talk about that later on as well. Now, Matt Moniz, I was uh, watching Ghost Hunters International the other night, and I, I came across something that I wasn't really familiar with. It's something that I'd heard of, but I didn't really know that it had The full-spectrum camera? No, that was pretty cool, too. 
But uh, I was going to say the uh, the the Singapore. Uh, oh, theory. Singapore theory. Yeah. And uh, I was going to say to you, I, I got to thinking about this. And basically, for those who haven't seen the episode, it was something that they tried where they try to recreate the environment that the spirit was alive in to try to get a reaction out of it. And similarly, you know, you can try and create the least favorable atmosphere, too, to see if you get an, an opposite reaction. Right. When I was watching it, I started thinking, is this maybe why we've seen an increase in activity, say, at Lizzie Borden's house? Because she's returned it to the period, correct? Instead of just being atmosphere. a house, it's now restored right. to, you know, museum-type restoration. And so do you think that maybe, yeah, now it's kind of the way it was when they lived, so now they're kind of coming out of the woodwork more? So to speak, yeah. No, that that theory's been around for a long, long time. Uh, and I think it does hold some sort of credence. I mean, if these are people that have passed, they're going to feel more comfortable in a setting that is familiar to them. So they would continue to do routines that they would normally do. Of course, other people living there now or staying there in this particular case would be partisan to seeing it. And that's why so many of these historical sites have these, you know, spirits, have these uh, alleged hauntings, whereas other homes might not as they change so much from the way that they look when people live there. It, it's kind of like um, the, the further away you get from it, the less pronounced the activity could be. Well, it goes in a – well, the best way to look at it is when a new homeowner goes into a home, if it's haunted or what have you, most of the people have cleared the other material out. You start putting in new material. Most people report hauntings when they first move in because you've changed the atmosphere of the room and people get confused and, you know, and that's when the activity starts. It's when either things have been changed or you bring them back to an, an original condition. Yes. I was going to say it kind of ties into that whole idea of whenever you do construction or any kind of restoration, whenever you're actually doing work on the property, it kind of stirs things up too. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's it was definitely an interesting uh, approach to see done and, and that's, I like, I like Ghost Hunters. I mean, I, I watch both programs, and I like Ghost Hunters because it's you know I I like the guys, I like their approach, I like the way that they handle things. Um, I disagree with some of the production stuff, but uh, but that's production. Yeah, I don't blame anybody for that except you know whoever's editing. They're trying to make a television show, so right. I understand what they're what they're doing. But uh, what I do like about GHI is they're the ones that are actually trying a lot of these. Um, different things on camera. I know that you know Ghost Hunters, Taps, they try everything. Anything yeah. that comes out, they're out there experimenting with it. But production the, doesn't always include that. The audience the doesn't. You know, the audience is going to be like, I want to see Jason and Grant doing what Jason and Grant do. So they don't really follow a lot of these changes. But the GHI, they're a little bit more experimental with stuff. And I, I like seeing that aspect of things because they're going to places that we don't normally get to see investigated. So while you're there, you might as well try these things because who knows when you're going to get another chance to be in there. Especially when they're getting into places that normally other groups wouldn't be getting into. Right. For the, you know, some of these places, the first time ever investigated type of thing. Mm -hmm. You're in, you know, uncharted waters. So you try and make the optimum of the opportunity. So uh, maybe you've seen the shows. Maybe you have some thoughts or opinions. Give us a call. 508-996-0500. 508-291-0500. And uh, a little bit later on, we'll also tell you about an upcoming fundraiser right here on the South Coast, how you can help out a local group known as, uh, let me make sure I get it right, 
the uh, Urban Fusion Group. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more later on. And uh, if you want to get involved with this event, it's a, it's a great way to tour the paranormal in this area. So we'll tell you about all that and more. Why don't we take a break, Matt? When we come back, we will talk with Lisa Zierenberg of New England Paranormal and the Worldwide Paranormal Center about how you can report all your paranormal activity and experiences. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. Turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz. And, you know, Matt Moniz brought up a good point we forgot to mention when we were talking about TapsCon, that uh, also appearing will be a Blue Oyster Cult. Not under yeah. that name, no. but under a different name, which I don't remember right now. Yeah. But uh, it will be Blue Oyster Cult, and they will have plenty more cowbell, uh, which, you know, Matt Moniz is good friends with the guy, so he made sure he got them down there. And uh, somebody else who's going to be at TapsCon is joining us on the line as well. Her name is Lisa Zierenberg. She's a senior investigator with New England Paranormal. She also trains new TAPS members and teaches New England Paranormal's Ghost Science class in Boston. And now she's part of the Worldwide Paranormal Reporting Center. And we'd like to talk with her about that tonight. Uh, how are you tonight, Lisa? I'm fine, thanks. How are you guys? Oh, we are spooktacular, as we say here. Thanks so much for having me on your show. I appreciate it. Oh, well, we're big supporters of uh, what you guys are doing at Worldwide Paranormal Reporting Center. We, uh, we had Cliff and Donna on probably about a year ago. And I know that uh, back then they were kind of just getting things off the ground. How are things working now? You know, um, when I, I first learned about it about a year ago as well at um, Paranormal X, which was held in Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it's been kind of on everyone's mind, but you know, no one's really um, had the time to devote to trying to educate um, everyone in the paranormal community about what it is that Worldwide Paranormal Reporting Center is trying to do. Um, I think it's a great concept as an investigator. You know, we spend a lot of time, we spend a lot of money going out to clients' homes to investigate. And then really, you know, what happens with that data afterwards? We'll go through our, pour through our data, listen to the EVPs, and then that's kind of it. So from an investigator's um, point of view, I think it could be a great tool to have. I would love to have a comprehensive database to be able to access before I go on an investigation to see what kind of paranormal activity may have been reported in the area. See, the, the problem that I think it is is it's kind of uh, it's it's kind of indicative of how the attitude is and the prevailing attitude can be in the community these days of where, you know, my evidence is my evidence and we captured it and we're holding on to it because, you know, what if there's a documentary? What if there's a TV show? What if there's you know, somebody who's interested in using it, I want to make sure that I retain ownership of it and that I get any, you know, benefits thereof. I, I think that people don't realize that until you share this stuff and it's not really scientific to just sit on your findings and, and not share them. Exactly. And then what I've done um, just this past week is I put together um, a permission form that we will try to get into the hands of as many paranormal investigators as possible. You know, what you've just... Um, described him as what I call the Hollywood syndrome, you know, paranormal um, investigation has become so wildly popular and there's so many breakout shows coming on and, and it's great because it's getting, you know, it's no longer a taboo subject and it's, you know, more and more people are aware of what we do, but at the same time, you know, all this, this data is being held close at hand. So 
hopefully by getting these um, permission forms into the hands of investigators, what we're trying to do, too, is to let as many private citizens or, you know, the general public know about it and drive them to the website as well. Because you don't have to be a paranormal investigator to enter your data on the Worldwide Paranormal Reporting Center website. And the whole idea is that anyone who experiences paranormal activity is welcome to come in and report that activity on the site. Well, and another thing, too, is what I don't understand is these groups are so protective of their evidence and, you know, whatever they might find, but then they put it on their website, which is pretty much you're putting it out there, and anybody, no matter what you think you're doing, anybody can steal what you put on the Internet. Believe me, we know. We we do it. (laughs) Uh, And then, you know, they'll capture video and they'll say, well, we're not going to share it with you because, you know, what if we make a DVD that we're going to sell for $5 a copy? Or then they go and put it up on YouTube. So you're you're putting it out there to the public anyway. Why can't you just do it in one comprehensive place? Exactly. And then, you know, we're you know I I try to look at try to come at this from a scientist standpoint. You know I you know of course I want to catch an apparition on tape and I want you know proof positive of life after death or that there are spirits there. But at the same time, you have to be open to all possibilities. And I think that you know I certainly believe in spirits and I believe. <clears throat> excuse me, that were visited, you know, by those who passed on. But I also personally think that a lot of paranormal activity may have to do with dimensions passing into each other. So, and, you know, maybe there are common denominators between these types of, you know, between activities that, you know, we can, we'll be able to draw lines to and be able to say, hey, you know, here's a pattern. But until we have a comprehensive database of as much information as possible, we're not going to be able to draw those conclusions or do that kind of analytical study to be able to draw correlations between, you know, different types of activity. And, you know, again, coming from it, coming at it from an investigator's point of view, you know, especially with the price of gas now, you know, you really want to be selective about the cases that you take because um, NEP and TAPS, we do this pro bono. You know, we're all volunteers. We donate our time. We donate our money. And especially when I'm doing TAPS cases, you know, people think they're going to be on TV. And, and a lot of times, you know, um, we go into a client's home and find out that not only have they called us, they've called six other groups in to come in and investigate the same thing. And all of them, come, you know, came away with the same um, lack of evidence of any type of paranormal activity. Another big thing that's happening, too, and I mean, we're guilty of doing this, <coughs> excuse me, I mean, we're an entertainment entity, uh, as well as you know Matt Moniz going out into the field, and even Matt Koss and myself uh, helping out with investigations. But you know, essentially, Spooky South Coast is a talk radio program, and so therefore we are an entertainment entity. And if we do something that we think is newsworthy, or something that can increase our profile, we'll send out a press release. Uh, we'll try to get newspapers to cover it. We got a big show that we're doing in two weeks. Uh, that we'll talk about a little bit later on. We're going to contact newspapers, TV stations, see if anybody wants to cover this type of event. But, again, you know, this is because we're an entertainment entity and we do things that we think are a little bit different uh, from other entertainment programs. Whereas ghost hunting groups are, are sending out press releases to newspapers and saying, you know, we're doing this investigation and if you want to come check it out and do a story about us, which is good because it gets them publicity, uh, so it helps them get more cases. And at the same time, you know, the newspapers are kind of starting to realize, hey, this paranormal stuff, people are interested in reading about it. But all you're really doing is you're kind of watering things down and creating that 
like you said, the Hollywood syndrome, the fact that if you do this, you can get in the newspaper. Uh, and that's what people don't realize. I, I know plenty of people being a sports writer who, you know, they'll join a, a beer league softball team and they want me to go down there and do a story about the fact that they're playing softball at age 40. Well, a lot of people do that. What makes you different? Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, you know, like I said, coming at it from a science, you know, when I joined NEP, I joined um, four years ago. And I actually contacted TAPS first, not because I wanted to be on TV, but because, you know, from an early age I've been interested in this. You know, I, I was raised in the Midwest in a house with a lot of activity. And like most paranormal, most paranormal investigators, my interest was sparked by personal experience mm-hmm. and just wanting to find answers. And, you know, I had no idea there were ghost hunting groups out there. And my kids told me about this show, Ghost Hunters, and I was like, oh, great. You know, and they're close by. We moved to Massachusetts by then. I'm like, this is exactly what I've been looking for. And, you know, I was lucky enough to meet Steve and, you know, attend the class in Boston, which I actually now teach, which is kind of funny. But, you know, I was fortunate enough to get into a reputable group. There are so many groups out there. You know, that are, you know, people come and go. We've been very lucky to have a lot of really great um, investigators who've stayed on for many years, and, and it's a good team. <clears throat> but, I mean, it's, like I said, you know, this, I'm so excited about WWPRC, just, be, you know, the concept. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm so sorry. No, no problem. We're all, and, uh, we're all feeling it these days. <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, it's, it's, when I first heard about it, I was, you know, I said, yeah, I might want to get interested. You know, I might want to get involved in that. And I talked to Donna about it briefly at TAPSCON. And they had sent out a couple of bulletins looking for volunteers. And I worked not-for-profit for many years. And, you know, they were looking for somebody to fill the marketing and development aspects because, you know, like any not-for-profit, it's 100%. Um, donor-funded, although we really don't have a lot of donors yet. But I think once we get people involved and we get people familiar with the website and as excited as I am about what this could mean to the paranormal community, I think that we'll be able to get this rolling because I think, you know, this is the kind of thing that everybody can jump on board with and get excited about. And, and, you know, the more people we have contributing, the more data we build, you know, I, I really, I, I think it's a great concept, and I really, really want to see it fly. Well, and the problem with groups per se is, I mean, obviously you're very lucky to be New England Paranormal because they're, you know, a top-notch group with top-notch management that keeps everything going smoothly. But a lot of these groups, they just end up, you know, fighting amongst themselves, fighting amongst other groups, and, and it just, it kind of devolves into more of a, you know, a click thing more than it is, a, you know, scientific pursuit. And what I like about WWPRC is for a guy like Matt Moniz, who's an independent investigator and doesn't really necessarily have his own group but will work with a variety of groups, it's great. It's a great place for him to go in and enter in all his information and to share what he's experienced because he's free of all that kind of group restriction. And instead of, you know, having to pay to put up a website with enough uh, – enough web space and enough bandwidth and everything to put up all his evidence, he can do it through you guys, and it saves him the trouble of having to fund it out of his own pocket, but he can still get his work out there. And I'm look- and, I, I was going to say I'm looking forward to actually putting up a lot of my stuff that I have that's just sitting in file cabinets at the moment doing collecting dust. Exactly. Put that to good work, Matt. That's what we need you to do. And, <laughs> you know, and I think that's, you know, that's what it boils down to for me as an investigator is, you know, like I said, I, I invest 
time. I invest you know, time away from my family, money. Um, you know, I put a lot of effort into what I do. And, and, you know, I have this is the greatest hobby in the world, and I absolutely love what I do, but I want to take it one step further and be able to, you know, try to make some kind of, of sense of, of what it is. You know, at least have something to show for what we've done, you know, if that makes sense. No, it does. And it's, again, you know, it's as long as there's going to be TV shows that publicize it, it's going to make it harder for people to want to, you know, realize that they're they're part of something bigger than themselves when they're when they get into this pursuit. Uh, and when you have evidence that deserves to be shared, you know, a place like WWPRC is a perfect place to do it. Um, and it's it's actually easy too. I mean, that's the other thing about it. It's not like I know that if I try to put anything up on our website, I don't know anything about HTML or any of that stuff. So I have a lot of trouble. I have to, you know, farm the work out to somebody else. But it's actually easy to go in there and submit all this stuff. So even if you're not you know, making your own group website or running your own group MySpace or anything like that, you can still get all your stuff up there for people to see and and help promote your group. And clients can go on there and say, all right, well, this group has done this, this, and this, so sure, I'll give them a call. Yeah, and and the great thing about it is, you know, even if you do put information up there, we never give out personal information to the general public. You have to actually sign in as a group and, and um, you know, it, it is a work in process, progress. So if you... Get on the website, and you have problems with anything at all. You know, send us an email, and we'll. You know, we have some really dedicated web people who are there. You know, monitoring things in the back office, and if you have any problems, you know, they're they're always willing to help. I know I'm a new user. I've been um, I've signed on with WWPRC about two and a half months ago, and I ventured information on it the first time I did it, and I I think I'm pretty savvy. I do actually. I take care of two websites and. I went to information in there, and I somehow screwed it up. So, um, you know, everyone is dedicated. You know, we're all volunteers, but, you know, we're all dedicated to making this thing work, and, and we have a common goal. So, See, I, I just like the way the website's set up because it's perfect for the way my mind works. You know, there's a variety of different ways you can search for things. <coughs> Excuse me. Everything's categorized. You know, I'm the kind of person where if I have to search around for a lot of stuff, I'm going to get lost and end up clicking off. But if you want to just go on and just read about some of these experiences that investigators are having, even if you have no plans to ever get out there and investigate yourself, even if you have no plans to contact a team to come and investigate your location, just to go on there and read some of these stories, and you can see there's scientific data behind this. It's not just a bunch of folklore stories being passed around on this website. It's actual investigations with actual procedures and actual, uh, you know, I don't want to say quantifiable data, but, you know, there's, there's because you're looking at what somebody's typing up as a report, more or less, but it's there. It's actually a report, whereas most of the time, what do you get? You get a you YouTube can, video and a couple EVP clips. What I like about it is if a person is into, like, statistics, they can take the reports and run, a, you know, statistical tests on the reports, mm-hmm. find common data that sticks out. Well, know, I mean, that is in itself scientific. And you know as a scientist that the only way you can get anybody to buy anything is quote-unquote proof. I know you don't like to use that I, word. I hate that word in science, and science doesn't use the word proof. But, but, but the general public, that's what they are looking for. Right. They're looking for that word proof. Like I keep saying, proof is for alcohol and photos and you know, but the if, courts. It's if, not science. If they are looking for that, you know, the best way to attain it is by giving them you know, repeat results of the same experimentation. Well, that's what science looks for. 
is repeatable confirmable, confirmable data. And there you have it. Yeah. I mean, it's right there on. And I'm going to give the website out. And I talked when we talked to Cliff and Donna about this last year. I had mentioned to them about buying uh, easier to navigate domains than this. But I'll give it out anyway. It's www.wwprc.com. Yeah, so. that, that has a lot of W's. But, you know, you could just put, type into your browser, www.prc.com, and it'll take you right there. That's how I do it. I, I eliminate that extra triple W when I don't need it. But also the, the best way to, to get to it is to, you know, put it in your favorites. Make it a place that you go to when you first load up your browser, something you go and check out. This is something that if you're actively involved in the community, you need to go to and check out on a daily basis. Yeah. And I think, Tim, that's my goal. You know, um, we, we've had a few strategic planning meetings, and, and one thing that, you know, as, a, as an investigator, what I would like to see happen is that, you know, when before you go to investigate a location, you know, you would go to www.prc.com and see if anything in the area has been reported, and even case managers, you know, when, when people call into a group and say, hey, you know, I'm having, I need, you know, someone to come out and do an investigation, you know, those case managers will go to the website first and see what kind of activity has been reported in the area. I mean, the more data we can get into the site, you know, the more valuable it's going to be as a tool to paranormal investigators. And, you know, I know Cliff is, I was hoping Cliff would be able to join us tonight, but he um, had other commitments, but, you know, he's, the scientists behind all this. I, I, I am very excited about the science as well, but personally, I just, you know, I'm an investigator and I'd like to use this as a tool to help me do my job better. And I remember when we talked to him about a year ago, he was embarking on a long journey of uh, visiting many different paranormal locations. And he's home now. <laughs> you know, he, so he's, he's, he was couch surfing for a year, I think. He's got, a, he's got kind of a lot to type in, I'm sure, from experiences yeah, he that he's had. So, got, as do I, but, you know, as a, an investigator for NEP, you know, when I go on investigations, I'm going to be taking the um, permission form, which hopefully we'll have as a download on the website um, early this week. Um, we're going to have, I was going to, I was going to TAPSCon, but I'm going, I'm actually spending my time getting um, things together for the workshops that we're going to be holding at Unicon in Pennsylvania in September. Mm-hmm. And Rob Hawkins is going to be manning the table with Donna at TAPSCon. Okay. So we will have a presence there, but at the um, convention in Pennsylvania in September, we're actually going to be doing workshops and we're going to be um, doing some presentations to the crowd there. And I know Unicon is kind of making a change this year in how they approach things. It's kind of gotten a little bit too entertainment aspect of the paranormal and trying to get back to the hard science this year. Right, which I'm really excited about because it kind of fits with our mission, you know, and I think it's a really great fit for us to be there. You know, you know what I think is the most, the, the strangest thing about this is for people who are, you know, investigating as a scientific pursuit, what they don't realize is a lot of the stuff that you're putting up on, on WWPRC is stuff that you should have in your group records anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know I have, I have like, I'm the note taker in the group. You know, when we go, I'm, I'm not a sensitive at all, and, and I am, I really don't even think NEP has any sensitives. Um, but I am the designated note taker, and I have notebooks full of information. And one of my goals this um, coming fall, when things kind of slow down for me, and, and my regular job is to to reach out to those people that we did the investigations for, and ask them for their permission to enter our findings onto the website. 
Now, would it be helpful, too, if you could get other people who use this site regularly to try and represent you at many of these other conferences that are coming out there? Are you looking for volunteers to help you do that, to spread the word out there about it? We are looking for ambassadors. You know, I think the only way we're going to get everyone as excited about this as I am is to get everyone educated about it. I am right now embarking on a mission to get the word out to as many paranormal talk shows, any you know, as many websites as we can, and we are looking for ambassadors who are able to represent WWPRC at a table at any of the um, conferences coming up because there's so many. If you go on MySpace, it's like every other day there's some other paranormal conference or meeting or gathering somewhere. Well, as, as we like to say here on this show, all you need to be a paranormal group these days is a, a camera, a digital tape recorder, and a MySpace. There you go. <laughs> and that makes, that makes you a paranormal group. But, I mean, all it takes, too, is for these groups, they all interact, they all uh, network on, on different websites. All they need to do is for, you know, just take the time, one time a day, every day for a week, send out the word about this, send yeah. out a bulletin, send out an email, and then it'll just grow organically amongst the community. Yeah, I know. I've, I've um, That's one of the marketing tools that we're going to be using is, you know, sending out bulletins and, for anyone who is a friend of mine on MySpace, I apologize now, but I will be spamming bulletin boxes with information on WWPRC because I really am excited about but it. To me, that's not spamming somebody. That's getting the word out about something that's important to know about. I mean, you're not asking me to to buy some Viagra or, or sign up for some uh, mafia game or whatever it is that they're doing these days. Exactly. It's, you're actually giving people something that they should be interested in if this is you know, something that they're trying to pursue. Yeah, I mean, I, just, I think it's, you know, we're already making these investments as investigators, and we might as well try to get some return for that investment. And Absolutely. I, I think this is the perfect way to make that happen. But also, you know, as, as much work as the dedicated group behind WWPRC has done, you shouldn't have to do it all yourself. It's a tool for the investigators, and the investigators should pay that back by, you know, spreading the word amongst themselves as well. Yep, I, I agree. So I appreciate you guys having me on and, and letting me tell your listeners about what it is we're trying to do, and you know, I, I, like you said, I, I think that you know we have a chance to make a real difference in the community, and and I'm going. I know that I'm going to try to make sure that it happens. <laughs> as a matter of fact, you know what? I'm even going to go so far as to say I think that every group out there and every group that's listening to our voices, which is quite a bit, that uh, they should actually have somebody in their group whose responsibility it is to uh, to put their reports up there on the website. You know, if you have a group secretary, per se, as many groups do, then this should be one of their tasks to, to enter in all this information to that website. I think it's a great idea, Tim. Yeah, and I mean, how hard is it if they're already keeping case files, if they're already putting stuff up on their own website? You know, you've already got this material written down. You've already got it all concisely put somewhere. And, you know, you just take a little bit of time to, to type it up on there and get it out there, and you're going to benefit the community in general. Exactly. I know, I'd... You know, one thing that um, we do, it's usually the lead investigator and um, NEP that, that takes, you know, we put together a report of what we, you know, our findings, and, you know, we try to do it in a timely manner within at least two weeks. You know, everyone works day jobs, and like I said, we're all volunteers, but you know, you're going to take the time and effort to do that report to give it to the client. It's not, it's one more small step to enter that information onto this website. I, I mean, unfortunately, I think you're making a, a big leap, and as I am too, of thinking that you know, many of these groups actually do give reports to the clients. I think a lot of people uh, these days, is they're not really seasoned investigators. They're showing up investigating, you know, going home, and that's the end of it in a lot of these cases. Un unfortunately, but I think that's what happens. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, you know, what's going to happen, I think, probably is, you know, there is this Hollywood hype around paranormal investigating, and and it is this, um, you know, phenomenon, I guess is what I, I would call it. You know, I would think that at some point, you know, that, that portion of it may die down some, mm-hmm. but there's still going to be the diehard investigators who are going to be around, and, and we're going to need to have a place to go. And I think www.prc.com is that place. Not, not a bad idea. I have a suggestion, though, that might help. A lot of people are looking for recognition about what they're doing. A lot, of, Like you're saying, a lot of it is people trying to get on TV with it. But offer a little bit of recognition to the people that submit, uh, like uh, a banner that they can download from the site, you know, continuing contributor to WP, you know, and let them be able to post that up on their website. In other words, if they continuously post, they get a special banner that's down that they can download from your site that they can probably post on their site to show that they support the site and they contribute regularly to it. Another great idea. Actually, going to write these down. <laughs> well, I mean, when you look at a number of these groups' websites, I mean, they're all they share these quote unquote awards amongst themselves. You know, it's like I got this award from this group, and and this website gave me this award. So to have you know a a frequent contributor award type situation for that, I mean, that would definitely give people another thing they could proudly display. And you know, obviously, the people behind and the intent behind the Worldwide Paranormal Reporting Center are. You know, very well-respected people and ideas, so I think that's something people would proudly put on their site. Definitely. You know, wall of fame type of thing as well. You know, you get the banner to say that you're a continuing contributor or or stuff like that, or you understand what I'm saying. You give the recognition to the people for their efforts that they make, and it gives them a bit of pride to, you know, continue to contribute. Hey, I'm contributing something to... People can, you know, you're part of something. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great idea. Well, now talk to us a little bit uh, before we let you go here. We got about what about ten minutes before the news here. Talk to us a little bit about these classes that you guys do for NEP, because uh, I know that we've we've talked about Keith Johnson's classes, Kristen's classes, our own classes that we have coming up, but we we've never really talked about the ones that New England Paranormal put on. Well, um, New England Paranormal hosts the Science Behind Ghost Hunting at the Boston Center for Adult Education. We actually have a Monday class coming up, and Kristen has helped with the class before, and every once in a while, um, Keith and Sandra Johnson will pop in. So we kind of all work together. It's it's kind of, you know, NEP, NEAR, and TAPS all work very closely together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's just we... People come into the class. We go through a um, sample questionnaire. What we, you know, when people call us for an investigation, we get a lot of um, requests because of our affiliation with TAPS, I think. And, um, you know, we don't take everyone, but we, we have a pretty lengthy questionnaire that we go through, and we ask some pretty detailed questions about um, some personal things, but we, you know, we don't share that information with anyone um, outside of the group. And we just go through the equipment that we use. Um, we go through the different types of hauntings. We go through, you know, how to get an EVP. We 
you know, it, it's a pretty cool class. I mean, we have some EVPs that we play, and we pass around pictures and try to educate people on the difference between an orb and a piece of dust. <laughs> Which, you know, you, some people you just can't convince. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of cigarette smoke vortexes. <laughs> <laughs> now, what do the classes cost? Um, $40. You can register online. Um, the, the, uh, the BCAE.org, I believe, is the website. But you, could all, you can just go on to the NEP MySpace or the NEP um, New England Paranormal website and click on the link there to register. But we've had some pretty good classes. I mean, you know, the class size ranges anywhere from 10 people to we've had up to 30 before. And is it a one-night, couple-hour type class? Yeah, I mean, we it, it runs from usually six to nine, so it's a three-hour class. It's a really long class. We take a break, mm-hmm. but we go. We cover a lot of material. We have um, handouts, and you know, we always a- answer any questions that people have. It's great because you have people from every social, um, every. Every type of person, every type of belief, you know, we're very open, and it's just it, we end up having some really great conversations, and I'm, I really enjoy teaching the class. See, a lot of people will say to me, I'll, I'll mention a class that's being taught, and they'll say, well, I already took a class. I took one with Keith Johnson, or I took one with NEP, and what I always recommend to people is, so what? You know, take another class. Exactly. Take a, get some other point of view, see some other people's evidence. It's like a movie. How many times have you watched a movie two or three times, and each time you watch it, you pick up something different in the movie that you didn't see before? You know, I I saw Keith and Sandra at the Sandwich Community School a few months ago, and, you know, I teach the class in Boston, and I've been to Kristen's class, and I've been, you know, every time I go, a lot of the material is the same, but I always learn something new. Well, because there's, there's always different people there taking the class that are willing to share their own experiences and their own outlooks, too. So you're always taking something away from each one, no matter what. Exactly. And, you know, the people that you meet, the network, you know, you get to network with people, and, you know, there may be people out there who are looking for groups to join. And I mean, it's, it's a really great experience. And I, you know, your knowledge is power. And the more you know, the better, you know, the better equipped you are to handle any situation. I think especially with and what we do, you have to have an open mind. And it's not an exact science. You know, there's not a degree. So what, you take my class, I'm not going to give you a diploma and say, hey, now you're a ghost hunter. But Some you know, do, though. I mean, some people think that they have to come away with a piece of paper. Yeah. That's yeah, dangerous. <laughs> sure yeah. is. Yeah. Like, it's as dangerous as going to someone's house and saying, yes, your house is haunted. You know, you, it's no matter what kind of, you know, evidence you come away with, you, there's, you know, I mean, from... A science point of view, it's not an exact science, and there's not really, I, you know, there's nothing to quantify that anyone has more experience than another. So, see, here's uh, not to not to cut you off, but here's what people don't realize when they offer these courses and they offer certificates or licenses as a result of it. If you teach me in a course, and then I just show up at somebody's house and do an investigation, whatever I do reflects directly on me. But if I show up at a, if you give me a license or a certificate and I show up and I do a shabby job. Then I'm the investigator that went there, you know, that was certified by Lisa in New England Paranormal. Exactly. So it kind of that, that's why they don't realize they're kind of tying themselves into a dangerous. The word situation. you're looking for is accreditation. There's no real accreditation. Well, for the, the word I'm more worried about is accountability. 
And well, you become accountable for somebody else's actions when you try to offer them that type of situation. But there's there's no accreditation, Matt, because there's no governing body to offer that accreditation. That's what I mean. P- who, whoever they they want to put out one of these uh, classes and give out diplomas or certificates. I mean, it's, it, you can give them a certificate of completion, like a significant of recognition. Or thanks for taking the class. Yeah, you know, thanks for taking like the that. class. But it doesn't make you. Yeah, a certified ghost hunter. Right. The, how do you certify somebody in this? You can't. There's exactly. no estab- there is no real established protocols to it yet. Uh, now, Lisa, one question I have for you. That Sandwich Community School where they taught the class, is that uh, what's known as the wing school? Is that the same school? Um, it's the Sandwich High School, actually. Okay. I think the wing school is the elementary or it the is, middle yeah. school. It is, yeah. The one down, Matt Moniz were just down, and I were just down there filming some stuff uh, yeah. about a week ago. And uh, I've always felt that that school, the the wing school, has some paranormal history to it uh, from my time there. Yeah, the Cape is so ripe with paranormal activity. And and because I'm, you know, NEP and TAPS, the majority of the investigations that I get to go on are two and three hours away. It's like I I live on the Cape. I live in this really, really um, rich paranormal, you know, it's just drenched in paranormal activity. And I haven't had the opportunity to real to do any real investigating here on the Cape. So if you guys come back to the Cape, call me and I'll help you. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> We're and and of course Capers is down there doing some great work as well. Yeah. But uh, we, you know, we're stones through. We're only in we're Wareham guys. So yeah. And yeah. Uh, and having lived in Sandwich for a number of years too, I have to ask you how are and you being nearby to that, how are you dealing with the cicadas this year? You know, it was so. I really felt like I was going to fly off into outer space for about two months it would just it would start out as a as a, as a really low drone and by two o'clock in the afternoon it was this huge loud hum and it just felt like you were going to blast off at any minute you drive down the road and cicadas are hitting your window it was pretty bizarre now were you there in 91 or no actually i um moved to wareham in 2000 so uh and you missed a, what was an even worse uh, infestation back in 91 it was from from everything that I've read, it was a lot worse back then because all the development now has kind of limited the amount of woods that they have to uh, to hang out in and, and create that buzz and, and to you know form their hordes. It was re- it was it was quite a bizarre experience, but they're kind of they're freaky looking too, big red eyes. Yeah, and I guess a couple of kids here on the Cape have made cicada jewelry. Yeah, Matt Cossie, you were telling us that you read something about that. Uh, and are you going to order some for yourself, uh, Matt? Um, I think they only come in earrings. But I would. Wear, I. I still have the uh, hole in my ear. I will buy a cicada <laughs> earring and wear it in my ear. It'll freak yeah. my wife out. I've got some dead ones on my back porch. I'll put them up for you. There you go. We we brought some home with us too. Uh, we went. We filmed a little video. It's up on YouTube. And if you go to YouTube and search for Spooky South Coast, you can find the little video that we put together. But I mean, I brought one home to my wife, who had heard me talk about them for years. But you know, she's like, I never want to see it. Don't bring one home. Don't bring one. So I brought home a dead one. And I brought it into the house and immediately, get that out of here! You know, so it was out in my front yard. I'm sure the birds were like, what the heck is this? That's pretty bad. Now, it's calmed down considerably. Um, I'm pretty sure they've all gone back underground. I haven't had any hit my windshield in about two weeks. So. Yeah, usually by mid-July it's all wrapped up. But, you know, it's it's not like when you walk out the front door and there's the carpet of them all on the ground and you're just crunching your way to the driveway. Yeah, and I guess they fly blind. They can't see. And you're trying to get in the car, and they're hitting you in the head. And the he- getting caught in your hair. And they don't know where they're going, yeah. Yeah, I saw a woman um, fighting with three of them. She was, they were in her hair, and she was in her car. It's like, a, 
Luckily, she didn't have an accident, but... And, and that's uh, probably freakier than most stuff you've experienced investigating the paranormal. Yeah, pretty yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I don't know. Investigating with Keith and Sandra, they are just, I think they're magnets. Um, and so those investigations have been pretty interesting. It, but yeah, the cicadas are scary. It, it seems like, too, like Keith would even be able to draw the cicadas up, too, so... He just he has that magnetic personality. <laughs> he does. All right. Well, we thank you for joining us and spreading the word. Again, everybody, go out to this website, www.prc.com, and we'll put the link up on the front page of Spooky South Coast as well so everybody can uh, check it out that way as well. And make sure you save it and favorite it and make it the first thing you look at when you open up your web browser because if you're investigating the paranormal, this is where you need to put all your findings so that the community can benefit from your work and you can benefit from everybody else's as well. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me on. And um, everyone visit our, our MySpace page as well. Um, and hopefully we'll you'll be hearing from us again. And uh, we will definitely be hearing from you because uh, we hope to help keep spreading the word and just get in touch with us if you ever need anything on our end. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, Lisa. Have a great night. You too. Bye-bye. Sorry, didn't mean to cut her off there. But that is uh, Lisa Zarenberg of New England Paranormal and the Worldwide Paranormal Reporting Center. So, uh, Matt Moniz, Matt Costa, which one of you guys wants to type up all our work into there? Because one of you guys has to do it. One, two, three, not it. (laughs) (coughs) Excuse me. I said, you know, there should be uh, the delegation of that authority in every group, and so I'm going to be the one to (laughs) delegate that. Somebody else can pick it up. But, uh, no, absolutely. I mean, we've... We've got a number of incidents from Lizzie Borden's house that we can post up there, and that's a place a lot of groups go to. A lot of groups want to check out and investigate, so if we can put as many of these experiences up there, then it gives them more into the database they can work from. Yeah. And uh, a couple other things we got working up to as well. you got to make sure you come back quick from TAFSCON, man, because we're going to do that place in Wareham. Uh, yeah, I'm very interested in doing that. They're doing a lot of uh, renovations, so it's helping. I know. Helping I heard. That's why I'm up. like, yeah. So uh, why don't we take a break here for the news. When we come back on the other side, we'll do our weekly news segment, The Week in Weird. We'll also tell you about some upcoming events at Open Doors in Braintree. Uh, We'll talk to you about an upcoming fundraiser here on the South Coast to benefit Urban Fusion and uh, a whole bunch more. And we'll even check in with the playwrights who are going to be working with us on an upcoming edition of Spooky South Coast in two weeks. It's going to be something weird, unusual, unique, something that you haven't heard in a long time on these airwaves. So stay tuned for all that and more when we come back with Hour 2 here on Spooky South Coast. The following takes place between 11 p.m. and 12 a.m. Hold your breath. This is usually the part when people start screaming. Turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. Welcome back. Hour number two of Spooky South Coast. 
Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz, and we are here to talk to you about the paranormal. And if you'd like to learn more about the paranormal, well, we have the perfect opportunity for you, because at Open Doors Learning and Healing Center Gift and Bookstore at 395A Washington Street in Braintree, Mass., they're offering a variety of programs that will help you learn more about the paranormal. If you want to find out more, you can call them at 781-843-8224 or go to opendoors7.com. That's opendoors, the number 7.com. And uh, coming up on Friday, August 16th from 7 to 9 p.m. for $25, or if you prepay by August 11th, only $10, you can experience the presentation We Are Not Alone, a presentation of visitation by Matthew Moniz of Spooky South Coast. And, Matt, I know we talked a little bit about this last week, but uh, what kind of stuff do you have planned coming up for this uh, discussion? This particular thing is a historical view of visitation to this planet, starting with stuff that is close to a billion years old all the way up to today. Uh, A physical history of visitation by things from elsewhere. Are you going to get into a lot of like the uh, the Anunnaki and the ancient astronauts and things I'll, like things I'll be that touching name? on that, yeah. And uh, of course, you'll talk about your own work investigating things in the UFO field, uh, crop circles, the soil work that you've done for a number of cases. Yeah, that um, work with abductees and things mm-hmm. of that nature. But this particular class is well, or presentation. It's actually a presentation, not so much a class. Uh, we'll we'll show the history of what what kind of uh, things have been going on. And then sorry. later on, I will go into specifics on in future presentations. So I could see classes. you doing like a presentation on, say, you know, like a whole thing on Roswell. Right. A whole thing on, you know, Kecksburg. Just right. doing something. If you're going to do crashes, right. And or something specifically about, you know, uh, ab- go with an abductee night or mm-hmm. go with um, physical trace cases, you know, Things of that nature. Each one would be specific after that. As much as there are presentations of the paranormal and classes on the paranormal and discussion, there's not an ongoing UFO lecture series like this in this area. No. So I think this is something that people really should get out and check out if they have an interest in the subject. What's interesting is the local MUFON groups in uh, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, stuff, very active groups, Very, but they are very... Um, shall we say, quiet as far as putting presentations on. They're, They're active amongst the, themselves in the community, but right. not in terms of the gen, in, general you know, performing the general right. public. Right. Well, also uh, coming up in August, on Friday, August 8th, you can check out Cryptozoological Mysteries in Massachusetts with Chris Pittman. You've heard him on this show talking about the Bridgewater Triangle. He'll talk about that as well as Bigfoot and other cryptids you can find there, historical local accounts of other cryptids in other parts of the state, Massachusetts' own Bigfoot sightings, legends, and folklore, and uh, his personal experiences with on-site investigations uh, as well. So definitely you want to check that out. Same thing, $25. But if you prepay by August 3rd, it'll be $10, and that'll also be from 7 to 9 p.m. Coming up on Saturday, August 16th, from 6.30 to 9.30 for $40, or a $25 prepay, you can take part in the seance with Diana DiMartino, Linda Marie, Linda Gibson, and Elizabeth Russell, where they'll actually conduct a seance, and those who are present in the room can try and make a connection uh, with the other side. And then every Wednesday through August at Open Doors, I'll be teaching a course, Introduction to the Paranormal, because that's about as far as I can get, 
is introductory stuff. Anything beyond that is beyond me. No, I'm just kidding. I'll help you. Absolutely. And uh, we will. We, what we'll do in this class is we'll basically we'll take you through, you know, kind of like what Lisa was talking about, what New England Paranormal does. Uh, they they put everything into three hours. We're actually going to be spreading ours out over the course of a month. Each class is going to be an hour and a half, so we're going to keep it real. We don't want to take up too much time of people's, you know, busy summer evenings. So from 7 to 8.30 p.m. Uh, on Wednesday, August 6th, 13th, and the 20th, you'll uh, be in the classroom learning about things such as, you know, how to start a group, how to conduct investigations, what types of evidence there are, what types of hauntings there are, just everything from soup to nuts, start to finish. And I will uh, share what I've learned from talking to other investigators and, and talking to people on this show. And uh, then in the final class on the 27th, we're actually going to take part in an actual paranormal investigation. Uh, will you be able to put all this stuff that you've learned to use? And there'll also hopefully be some equipment sold at the store that you can use to uh, take with you on the on the class. Well, that's actually a little bit more money. That's $150 for the course, but if you prepay by July 31st, it's $125. Uh, but when you break it down to the amount of hours that you're getting you know, in the classroom and in the field, it, it, it's, it's like really 25 bucks. even probably even less. Yeah. It's really affordable, but th- the key is a, a big portion of that goes as a donation to the site where we're doing the investigation. So yeah. it, it seems pricey, but it's it's actually, you know, it's well spent. I think uh, in terms of that, and I'm not just saying that because I'm the guy teaching the class. Well, not only that, you're helping support a place that you can go and investigate again and again and again. Sure. So hopefully, yeah, we'll I, find out. <laughs> Well, in theory. <laughs> so there there you have it. That is at Open Doors Learning and Healing Center Gift and Bookstore, 395A Washington Street in Braintree. 781-843-8224 is the number. That's 781-843-8224. If you want to check them out on the net, opendoors7.com. That's opendoors7.com. You can sign up for their email uh, newsletter as well. And uh, I'm going to be contributing something to the next newsletter I don't know, Matt, if you're going to have time, but they think they need it by tomorrow if you're going to do it. Ooh. <laughs> just a little, just a little, you know, up to 500 words, you know, describing, talking about what your course is going to be okay. and, you know, your experiences. So. I'm still putting all kinds of stuff together I'm, for Taps. I'm sure you're swamped just trying to get ready for that. Time is ticking away. So uh, also, time is ticking away on another event that's coming up. Is there really an apparition that walks at the base of the bell tower at UMass Dartmouth of the man who built it? On the sixth day of each month? No. No. <laughs> well, we both, <laughs> we both went to UMass. Well, we haven't seen it, but that doesn't mean it isn't happening. Are there still voices at the ever-so-disappearing Lincoln Park? Are there really evil worshiping happening in the Freetown State Forest? Find out the answer to these and other questions uh, on Wednesday, August 6th, when Urban Fusion hosts a ghost hunting fundraiser to help raise funds for its many programs. And, of course, if you go to urbanfusion.org, you can find out about those programs. Uh, they'll be hosting a trip via Deluxe Motor Coach in search of the answers to these questions and more in a series of ghost hunting tours. Come travel to UMass Dartmouth, Lincoln Park, and the Freetown State Forest to see the answers for yourself. They'll be having a motor coach transporting you to each stop with a psychic medium guiding us and speaking with the spirits of those answers. Uh, Bus will depart from the Greater New Bedford Boys and Girls Club at 8 p.m. on the 6th of August and will last approximately three to four hours of hair-raising enjoyment. To reserve your seat, uh, physically speaking and not, please call Brian at 774-644-9100. The cost for the entire trip is a $50 tax-deductible donation to benefit the Kids in Urban Fusion, uh, but they are doing a special with the first 35 tickets will be sold for $35. You can also email Brian 
get in touch with him, uh, Brian at urbanfusiononline.org. Now, the or- Urban Fusion group is uh, divided into three distinct groups, two percussion groups, a color guard group, and an electronic music creation program, all of which currently run within the Boys and Girls Club of the Greater New Bedford. And uh, what they're doing is they're trying to help reach the youth in this area and helping them get involved uh, with percussion and with color guard and the creation of electronic music. So if you want to support these kids and help out this great cause, then all you have to do is call Brian at 774-644-9100 or email him, brian at urbanfusiononline.org. They've got all the info up on their site. We'll put it up on ours as well. If you go to the forum at spookysouthcoast.com, it's up there too. So uh, good luck to them, and we'll do what we can to help out. All right, well, what do you say we get a little weird? I'd say so. Well, bad news. Well, I got a great show for you today with some wonderful weird stuff. I feel, I feel so very weird. <laughs> The Week in Weird. All right, well, our first story comes from the Telegraph in the UK, and it's a custody battle that makes uh, Kramer versus Kramer look like... I don't know. (laughs) But uh, a custody battle between a Satanist and his Christian ex-wife has raised constitutional issues after both demanded the right to share their religion with their three young children. Christy Meyer has cited the religious beliefs of her former husband Jamie as the main reason why an Indiana judge should resist his visitation should restrict his visitation rights. She wants the three children to go to church on Sunday mornings, technically when they are with Mr. Meyer, but points out that they are unlikely to do so if they are with their father, a member of an organization calling itself the Church of Satan. However, legal experts have warned that the American Constitution prevents judges from showing a religious preference. In a forthcoming court case in Fulton, Indiana, Mr. Meyer may now be asked to prove that Satanism, which he says is about celebrating man's desires rather than worshipping the devil, is a real faith. Meanwhile, legal observers say his former wife may have to show that Satanism, which is recognized as a religion by the U.S. Internal Revenue Service, is harmful to their daughter's upbringing. Mrs. Meyer has argued that her ex-husband's public expression of satanic beliefs has embarrassed their children. Pat Roberts, her lawyer, wait, not that Pat Roberts, I hope. Oh, that's Pat Robertson. Has asked the judge to order Mr. Meyer to drop off the children at his ex-wife's church so they can attend with her during his visitation time. Frankly, it can be emotionally damaging or confusing to children when they're faced with these two different forms of worship, Mr. Roberts told the Chicago Tribune. Let's call it worship rather than religion. Religion is based upon recognition of a supreme being. He added, allowing them to go to church for a couple of hours on a Sunday morning is not unreasonable. So what I want to know is, I mean, I don't really support Satanism or the Church of Satan, which I also don't think is directly tied into Satan as much as it is tied into let's just go do whatever we want and call it our religion. And profit. (coughs) Yeah. But um, I I think that if uh, he has to prove that Satanism is a real faith in a court, well, then they need to also prove that Christianity is a real Real faith faith in a court. You know, you can't claim one as being a real faith while the other one isn't. Of course, it would be easy to prove Christianity in a courtroom because there's a number of people that are part of religion, but I still think for the record if one has to be proven in the court, so does the other. That's just my belief. Matt Costa, what do you believe? I believe I have another story. Alright. 
Well, I believe it's time for you to tell us. A Moscow court convicted a man of fraud on Monday for preying on people mourning loved ones by saying he could resurrect the dead. Gregory Grabovov stood passively inside an iron cage as he was sentenced to 11 years in prison working hard labor in a case which has grabbed headlines around Russia. He used a special method of influencing people distressed by the loss of their relatives or the illness of loved ones, says the judge as he found Grabovov guilty of 11 cases of fraud. In one case, in 2003, a man paid Grabovov 39,500 rubles, or $1,700, to attempt to cure his dying parents of illness. And in another case, paid him 118,000 rubles to try to resurrect her two dead sons. Grabovov had also once met his mother's once met with mothers of children killed at a school siege in, in the south Russian town of Beslan in 2004, where he had promised to resurrect their children for a fee. Although Monday's verdict was not linked to this meeting, dozens of Grabovov's supporters crowded outside the courthouse in the Moscow suburb. Despite the guilty verdict, his main, mainly older supporters still believe he has the powers which can help them and that he has been unfairly persecuted. So, and that story was from Routers. Well, I can I can heal whatever's wrong with you, and I can resurrect your loved ones if you pay me. Don't pay me in rubles, though. Yeah. Right. Well, do I have any less claim to do it than he does? I mean, I don't know. I don't think he has any uh, credentials. Uh, I've got just as many as he does. Yeah. It's just it's it's a shame that you know he. The Russian economy is already in such dire straits that people are coughing up their money. Remember when it was, you know, communism and at least the government paid for crazy people to do this kind of stuff? Yeah. All right. Matt Moniz, what do you have for us? Uh, it comes from uh, the BBCN News and submitted by Snows on the forum at Spooky South Coast. Who now want a bumper sticker? Email me your contact info, Tim at SpookySouthCoast.com. More than 30 pet rabbits. Have been killed in German town in the German towns of Witten and Dortmund since last summer. Many of the rabbits have been decapitated and the blood drained from their bodies. It is one of the most shocking cases of animal cruelty that Germans can remember. Some Germans have put their rabbits in hiding. In one incident, dead rabbits were discovered in a sandpit of a local school. It's always the same, a local police officer explained. Detectives find rabbits lying dead in a hutch. An unknown person has cut off the head and drained off the blood into a box or a bottle. So we find no blood and no head. Police feared the attacker could switch from killing rabbits to killing people. They have set up a special task force to try and track down the killer. They are examining rabbit torsos for possible traces of DNA and they have questioned over 300 people. But police admit they have still no idea who is decapitating the rabbits and why. It is also unclear how the killer has been locating his victims. Most of the beheaded pets were hidden from public view, locked away in backyards or back gardens. It has raised the possibility that the, cat, that the killer has been using satellite images on the internet to find houses with rabbit hutches. Fear is driving German rabbit owners to hide their pets away in the woods, in their garages, or in cellars. Be very, very quiet. They, uh, 
or just watch out for Meryl Street. Ooh, no, <laughs> that was uh, Glenn Close. Glenn Close, Close. sorry. Yeah, he, that's uh, you know, we, my wife and I have been talking about getting a rabbit too. And, you know, I tell her this story. Satellite imaging, though, that's a little bit creepy that they're using that to try to find where these uh, rabbit hutches are. I, if you ask me, I don't think it's so much a satellite. I think it's a little closer to Earth. Maybe the person works in a uh, telephone or a linesman of some kind maybe up in the poles. Store. Yeah, that's a good feed point. Store. Feed store. Wouldn't be that hard. But, I mean, it, it, it is kind of creepy, though, that they could be using something like Google Earth anyway. Even if they're yeah, not. but Google Earth doesn't give you a close enough image to tell if it's really I, a rabbit hutch or not. If, if it, I think if you look at the dimensions compared to the house, compared to like a shed, you might be able to guess if that might be what it is. But I mean, still, why target rabbits? What's up with that? It just—it seems like it's a. Uh... And why take them from other people? I mean, they're easy enough to breed and grow on your own. Some they people leave are... the feet. Just sick. Do they leave the feet? No. I think well, yeah, they leave the feet. They take the head and the, the blood. I would think they would take the feet. Maybe, the, maybe they don't need the luck. Who knows? Well, we got one more story here that I want to read. Now, Matt Costa, you know my brother pretty well. and yep. We've been telling him for years he's crazy for getting all these piercings in his face. Maybe he's on to something. Because uh, Jessica Lafreniere, 21, was hit by a bolt of lightning on Wednesday... It knocked her flat and turned her blue. Then the electricity exited her body through the small metal ring in her nose. So now she's all right because uh, she'd been she'd been filling up water balloons outside their home in Antrim, New Hampshire, when a storm came rolling in and they went to go inside. Jessica stepped to go open her garage door to op- uh, shut off the hose, and that's when she was struck by lightning. The flash came from her feet. Her face lit up, and the next thing I know, Jessica was in my arms. I turned her over and she was stiff as a board, Danielle Taylor told WBZ-TV. It was like literally picking up a board and moving it that landed on top of you. That's what she felt like. Doctors told Jessica afterwards that the electricity had traveled out through her metal nose ring. So, uh, And it's funny because I've never really seen anybody struck by lightning, but the mother was saying on Channel 4 that uh, her feet started to glow red, like almost like they were going to spark up on fire, but... You know, she turned like a shade of blue, and her feet were just bright red as, you know, the electricity came out and, and ground it out. But there you have it, a metal nose ring keeping you from dying. In there. You've been struck by lightning? Me and a friend of mine, when we were about 12 years old, birthday party. Big, gigantic flash of light, big purple-blue purple, purple blue light uh, hit the tree, dead oak tree right next to his garage. We had to move the party indoors, and, mm-hmm. of course, kids... You know, looking outside, ooh, lightning, you know, me and my friends standing right by the eve of the garage where the tree was, big blue flash. Next thing I know is his mother standing over us screaming, and, you know, we're like, whoa, that was cool. But the following day, uh, your body is all locked up, and your muscles feel like you you like you got hit by an 18-wheeler. That, that actually explains quite a bit <laughs> <laughs> that we've learned about you over the past three years, but... Is it true now, though? We were talking about this earlier about somebody else that we know, and I wanted to ask you about this. The watch and can't wear uh, mechanical watches oh, or anything? No, I wasn't even thinking about that. Um, does being struck by lightning once increase the likelihood that you'll be struck again? I've heard that. Mm-hmm. I have heard that. But is there? there's really no scientific basis for that belief. I, I think the what it is is the personality of the, of the people struck. They're outdoors. They're Continuously out there. I mean, 
if you're out there to get struck once, if you're that type of person to be out in that area, you know, to be struck again because you put yourself in that area again, you can be struck again. We know somebody that's been struck six times. Six times? That's got to be the record. I think the only person I know that had the most was four, and he was a mountain uh, ranger. Uh, Six times, and she's a high school sociology and psychology teacher. I think she needs to diagnose herself. (laughs) So uh, there you have it. Lightning strikes again here on Spooky South Coast with another edition of The Week in Weird. If you have a Week in Weird story you'd like to submit, just like Snaz did, put it on the forum at SpookySouthCoast.com, and you will win a Spooky South Coast bumper sticker. Why don't we take a break? When we come back, we'll talk more about the paranormal, including something special we have coming up in two weeks here on Spooky South Coast that you won't want to miss. Stay tuned. We'll be right back here on Spooky South Coast. Pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. All right, welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz. We are here talking about the paranormal as we do each and every Saturday night. If you'd like to give us a call, 508-996-0500. 508-291-0500. We want to know if you've ever had a paranormal experience. Maybe you've got a question about the topics that we talk about here on Spooky South Coast. We've been getting a number of emails lately with people who have been asking uh, questions regarding the paranormal. And, you know, I've, I've been thinking that we don't really read a lot of questions on the air here because we kind of try and take care of that stuff in private for people. Um, but... Obviously, any time that you have something that you want to know about, you can email us, SpookyCrew, at SpookySouthCoast.com, and we'll, we'll try and do our best to hook you up. See, we don't try to answer questions ourselves. As be- you know, we'll, we'll give you as much information as we can, but we always make sure we try to reference you to somebody else that can help you more uh, with those questions. So if uh, we haven't responded to your questions, and that's what we're trying to do, we're trying to get in touch with the quote-unquote authorities on it, people that we can... Uh, share with you and, and, and share their information with you and, and help you find more of the answers that you're looking for. The best fit answer for your question. Yeah, because it's not usually going to come from us. <laughs> we'll just tell you the best that we can. But uh, I don't know, Matt Costa, do you get a lot of emails from people that are that are asking things about the paranormal or just more stuff about the show in general? Uh, we Well, I think we I get the same emails you guys get. But That's true. Um, there are like a lot of uh, emails where it's like, hey, I got this picture what do you guys think? A lot of those, and occasionally we get some that are, uh, "Oh, can you help me with this? Is it really a haunting?" And or have and, you heard of we're this? Like, well, we can't really help you, but talk to this guy. Sure. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's kind of what we're here for. That's our our role in this yeah. whole paranormal community is to be the intermediary between those who uh, aren't well connected into it and the people who are on the radio circuit talking about this kind of stuff. Uh, and if you've uh, got any problems ever and you want to just share them with somebody, uh, any kind of paranormal situation that you just want to at least get it off your chest and share, you know, we're willing to listen. And then what we're going to do is we're going to encourage you to put it up on www.prc.com or share it with other investigators or do something. But, you know, we always take things in the strictest of confidence as well. Um, 
And of course, uh, now that the, the the paranormal event season is getting into full swing, there's going to be a whole bunch of conferences and things coming up that we're going to talk to you about. Of course, TapsCon next week, uh, we talked about earlier. You can go to TapsCon.com to find out more. And then next month, at the end of the month, is uh, Beyond Reality's first ever event at the Mount Washington Hotel up in New Hampshire. Yep. You're going to be at that too, right, Matt? Yeah, I'm going to be bringing that same presentation up there. So uh, for people who can't get down to Florida in the middle of the summer, which people like myself who just would die <laughs> in Florida heat in July, you can go up and experience the mountain crispness in August. And I'm sure it's sure it's beautiful up there any time of the year, but uh, August seems like the perfect time to go up there because it's not going to be too hot in the mountains. It's not going to be too cold. So, And, of course, there will be plenty of action-packed paranormal talk. Jeff Belanger will be there. Amy Bruni will be there. All kinds of people will be there. I think Lauren's going to try and go to that one as well. And uh, so definitely check that out. And one person who's going to be at TapsCon next week, and I think we should take a little time out here to, to wish him a happy birthday, is Dustin Parry. Ah, happy birthday today, Yeah, Dustin. today's his birthday. That's why he couldn't couldn't come on with us tonight, because celebrating his birthday. So we wish you the best and many more. Ah, you know who else is going to be at TapsCon? I can't wait to hang out with these guys again. You're going to say Blue Oyster Cult? Yeah. We pushed that earlier when you were in the bathroom. Ah. <laughs> Well, that's all right. <laughs> and I just announced to the entire listening audience that Matt Moniz was in the can when we said that. But, uh, no, tell everybody. Uh, no, these, these guys have been friends of mine for a while and uh, very happy to have them down there. And there's going to be a whole host of other bands. Do you know the, the what was the name that they're, they're performing under now? Oh, uh, Underbelly. Okay. And yeah, is that? They, they do that in small venues. They, they've always done that. Is that kind of just to keep? Is that to keep the, the it, audience it, small? Or? Well, it's a combination of that. There's a, a long history that goes, al- goes along with Kind of like promoter, agent kind of stuff that we don't need to know about? Well, it's not. No. Uh, a lot of these big bands have done that in the past. Uh, you know, The Rolling Stones the, are famous for it. For the diehard yeah. fans? Yeah. Like an Easter egg type thing? Yeah, same kind of thing. Yeah, I know the Stones were famous for playing under the most ridiculous names in the smallest of clubs before right. they would go and do a big arena show. And they still do it today. Yeah, I know. I wish I could find some of those shows. but <laughs> I'll, I'll take the big stadium show from them anyway. That's good enough for me. But uh, there you have a TapsCon. And then uh, we also have we'll, – we'll be talking to a whole bunch of people coming up uh, as the season kicks into gear, and we'll be talking about a lot of these events not just here in the local South Coast area, but just all over the country because we've got people listening all over the place here. But there's one thing coming up in Rhode Island that's going to be new that I just found out about today, and it's essentially it's a pirate-themed horror attraction. So that's going to be something different, something new. So uh, we're going to have the organizers of that on soon to talk about that. There's also going to be a Bigfoot conference coming up as well that we'll have the organizer on Coming up, I'll, I'll give you all this information off the air, Matt Moniz, but it's, it's going to be stuff that you might find interesting, and I, I definitely think that I can see John Horgan uh, running down to this uh, Bigfoot conference as well. Pennsylvania? Uh, I think so, yes, Pennsylvania. Yeah, I, I, I think I am familiar with it. So there you go. We will talk Yet they don't have Don Keating. Really, they don't? No. Well, we'll have to talk to the organizer. I think he's got like seven, yeah. seven guests already scheduled in, so maybe it's a rotating type of guest type of situation and i know that uh, jeff peckman emailed me this week he's got a, a bunch of stuff coming up as well and they had a lot of success with the presentation they gave uh with dr greer uh stephen greer gave a presentation on thursday i want to say thursday or friday and it was well received by the media larry king of course talking about ufos again last night 
so it's it's definitely coming up there. I know we've talked about this back and forth a little bit, Matt Moniz, but a number of people think that there's some big disclosure event coming up soon. Um, at the very least, I think the fact that people are talking about it more uh, is enough to generate more interest and more stories will leak out. We're not going to get full disclosure out of this, but we're going to get more information coming out. Well, what's eventually going to wind up happening is this country is going to have to catch up with all the other countries that have already basically put stuff out and start releasing real documents. Yeah. They England has done it, France has done it, Germany for the most part Russia has released a lot of stuff and a lot of it points to us saying yes in regards to American material that, you know that was shared with in other words they've already let the you know cat out of the bag so to speak in the other countries they don't broadcast it here saying mm-hmm. but yeah uh, the fingers all point back to you know the United States having said to these countries, yes, we know about this and this and that, and it's in their documents that you know reflect that. Well, we're going to have a guest coming up next month who will talk to us more about this, uh, Stanton Friedman, yeah. who, of course, is one of the, the big names in the UFO field, the, the considered the godfather of modern-day ufology, and, and he was the first civilian investigator of the Roswell incident, and he's going to talk with us. and uh, He's actually pushing for us to have... Uh, Betty Hill's Nissan as well, and I think that's a great nice idea. Lady. We'll do a, a nice split show and try and talk to both of them on the same night because these are, uh, you know, two people who will have a lot to say on the on the subject of UFOs that might make you think differently uh, about how you normally perceive them. But definitely get out and check out Stanton's new book. Um, I want to say Flying Saucers and Science is the name of the title, and I, I'm reading it now, and it's just it's great stuff. I mean, you can't argue the way he talks about the way scientists approach UFO reports. I mean, he's right. They do seem to have this closed mind about it and this procedure that they do to basically dismiss whatever comes out there before they get a chance yeah, to really look into it. they become extremely unscientific before they even listen. Yeah. So is, that must drive you crazy, you know, to uh, suddenly abandon uh, the way they do things just because right. the three letters come up. Right. So there you have it. Well, uh, Matt, why don't we take our last break of the night. When we come back, we'll kick around some more paranormal topics. We'll take your calls at 508 508- Nine nine six zero five hundred five zero eight two nine one zero five hundred, and we'll talk about that upcoming special show we have coming up in two weeks that you won't want to miss. You don't even have to be a fan of the paranormal to enjoy what it is that we hope we're going to be able to pull off. So stay tuned. We'll be back with more in just a minute here on Spooky South Coast. Hello. Hey man, Hello. you up? No. Wake up! I need to talk to you. I think your house is haunted. Hey, come on, it's 2.30 in the morning. I can't sleep in here, man. I'm scared. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa, science advisor Matt Moniz, and child molester Michael Jackson. Alleged. Alleged. <laughs> Alleged. I, I love Michael. I, I don't mean to, to crack on him. You know me, anything for a joke. So uh, if you want to join in the discussion here in the last 15 minutes or so, give us a call, 508 500 508-996-0500. Is that the first time I've ever inverted the phone numbers? I think so. You know what I'm proud of that I've never done? I've never accidentally given like my own phone number out over the air, or my cell phone number, or your number. Uh, I have a tendency sometimes when I'm emailing people to like 
email somebody and give them like the wrong phone number. You think with over two hundred hours of Spooky South Coast? Yeah, we were thinking about that. Can you believe that? Probably close to three hundred hours of this program we've done. And that takes up a vast amount of space in people's iPods. <laughs> Tell me about it. I've had to clear old shows off my computer. I've had to start putting everything on disk now. It ate up my laptop. We had so many episodes of the show saved. So I can imagine, you know, people are probably filling up iPods left and right with our shows. Because, you know, you don't want to delete our show after yeah. you've listened to it. They've got great resale value People here. probably got like three or four iPhones. just for the- <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, Well, Steve Jobs, if you want to send us some to help back up all of our stuff, you know, we'll take them. Spooky South Coast, P.O. Box, 2-3. I don't think he needs us to promote I am pretty iPods. sure he's all set <laughs> without that. But, uh... Two and a half years already going on. Yeah, almost. We'll, we'll be celebrating our third anniversary in January, hopefully, if we make it that far. And uh, we'd like to thank everybody out there for listening each week, for calling in, for sharing all of our great guests that we've had in that time. And, you know, they say that two years makes a successful radio show, and I think so we've gone beyond that. And now that we've proved that we're successful, now we can just go back to being unsuccessful. So <laughs> back to the old days. Of uh, recording, re- podcasting the show by recording it on my Sony tape recorder. Mm. Those days were great. Remember when we used to come in here and there'd be no way to record the show? That was awesome. Yeah. Luckily, we, yeah. we figured out this whole technological marvel that is the spooky studio. Mm-hmm. Now, if we could just get it up in a timely fashion. You know, that's a, one, of, one of the things that we're trying to work on. Hey, that's my problem. <laughs> Well, one of the things we're trying to work on is uh, we have a couple of places that want us to come out and do remotes. Open Doors wants us to do remotes. The New Borders and Wareham wants us to do some remotes. So we're going to try and work on that and uh, get out there into the field and try and get to some of these conferences and events that are going to be going on during October. We we did it with some success last year, uh, minimal success, I'll say, Paranormal X. We were able to get on the air for what? We were on for like 10 minutes <laughs> before we got kicked off the air because of the Internet connection there. Yeah. But uh, we do try to plan more of that. So if you have anything coming up and you want to see if you can get us out there on the road, just get in touch with us, Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. You can also find us on MySpace, MySpace.com slash SpookySouthCoast. Sorry, am I, am I like belching on the air here? I'm, yeah. Uh, I'm feeling very unprofessional tonight. But in two weeks, we're going to be super professional because the event that we have coming up, we can't screw this up, guys. We, we've been able to fudge our way through a number of shows in these two and a half years, but this one we cannot screw up because this is something unique, something different. Uh, another one of my classic great ideas that happened to me while I was taking a shower. Oh, you, know, you know what we should do? We should do this. And it drives my wife crazy because I come out of the shower all the time like talking like, like I'm freaking Plato. I'm like, ah, I think therefore I am. I just come out of there like all full of philosophy. Oh, I thought you were talking about the flower-based gooey thing. No, 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 Play-Doh the Flaw. <laughs> and, you know, she's always like, maybe if you didn't take such long showers, you wouldn't have so many thoughts in them. But uh, basically, it came up with this idea, you know, we, what don't you hear on the radio anymore? Talk radio is something that is, commercial radio is, say, suffering. Well, can we talk about this on the air? We're going to get in trouble. Let's face it, satellite radio is coming on in the music realm, and, you know, internet radio is coming on in the talk realm, so... I, I think a back-to-basics approach to broadcast radio is something that's going to be something a lot of places explore. Refreshing. And, yeah, just something different, something unique, something that's not being done anymore. And what isn't being done anymore? Live radio drama. And, uh, of course, it's drama every time us three get behind a microphone. But, <laughs> you know, nobody's really put on these made-for-radio plays anymore. There's still plenty of podcasts out there that you can download and listen to the old original classics, and they're free. 
because a lot of them are in the public domain. You can get The Shadow. You can get you know Mystery Theater, all these great old shows you can get for nothing. Put them on your iPod, and they're great. You know, it's like an hour's worth of great listening when you're at the gym, when you're in the car, and you can see, you know, what actually went into a non-visual medium and how they had to, to actually utilize what they could to the best of their ability in those days. So we thought maybe we'd try and go back to that a little bit, and we're going to put on a live radio drama. We have a, a group of writers who have put together an original script. It's called Possession of the Church, and uh, it's going to be on Saturday, July 26th, we're going to come in here. It's, a, it's going to be an early show. Uh, we're going to come on the air at like 9 o'clock. The first hour, we're going to try to talk to somebody, you know, about the history of old-time radio, about the way they used to perform things, you know, how the paranormal ties into that, of course, because a number of these programs were mystery, horror-type uh, shows because that's what people wanted to crowd around and listen to on the radio. It, it, it's so easy to create that drama and that tension when you can't see what's going on. It was the campfire ghost stories of the day when radio was uh, new and novel. Absolutely. And the fact those old radios look kind of freaky, too, you know, with the glowing well, it, it had that glowing glow. eyes. Like I said, it know? was the campfire ghost stories of, it, of their day. So uh, we'll, we're going to talk to somebody about that. And then in the second hour, and maybe spilling it into the third hour, we're going to do an actual live performance. We're going to bring in a bunch of our friends who you've heard in many different capacities here on Spooky South Coast. We're going to bring them in to serve as actors, because many of them do have acting experience, and we're going to have them participate in this play. And uh, basically, to give you a rough idea of the outline of what's going to go on, it's about a town that is essentially under the control of a demonic influence, and uh, how a small group of teenagers try to rebel against that influence. So it's a great script. Uh, there's going to be some, some really good performances, I think, coming out of the script. The writers did a phenomenal job. And every time I went to them and said, well, you know, guys, great story, but to work in radio, we need to do this and this. They've totally got the idea. They've made the changes. Uh, I think it's going to be something really phenomenal. Matt Costa's got the hardest job out of anybody, I think, because uh, he's going to be the Foley man. But back in the old days, and, and we'll talk more about this during that episode, but back in the old days, somebody actually stood by a microphone with a bunch of different things making different noises. I'm going to be get my saw ready. Yeah, so you can get have the, like, the, noise, the yeah. thunder noise. Yeah. Lightning doesn't make a sound. No. And uh, I'm going to be coming back with some MP3s from Constantinos. Excellent. So he'll provide the... Uh, theremin. Theram spooky theremin music, and, and Makos is going to get the sound effects, and... And that's going to be the only way we really cheat is the sound effects. We're going to have those all kind of pre-recorded, even if we have to record some of them ourselves. Um, but other than that, it's going to be live. We've got, what, four microphones here in the studio, and we are going to utilize them because we're going to have about, I think, nine to ten actors in here. Everybody's going to be hovering around microphones like in the old days. You know, pages are going to be flying. There's going to be so much stuff going on here. It's going to be crazy. And if you'd actually like to come down and watch this in progress, we'll open up the big <laughs> windows here. At, at the Spooky Studio here in WBSM. The big windows here at the Sconicant Neck Plaza, you can actually come down. We recommend bring your lawn chairs, you know, just clean up any mess you make, just park yourself right outside, and we'll see if we can't get a speaker going outside or something. Uh, I think they have them outside. We'll just make sure that we can have them turned on. So if you actually want to come down, sit outside, and listen to this performance and watch it actually going on, it, it's going to be crazy. I, I can just imagine what it's going to be like in here. You know, with uh, it's, First of all, it's going to be hot. Because <laughs> it's hot in here with just the three of us. 
but there's going to be papers flying. There's going to be, you know, people directing each other over. Matt's going to be telling people to back away from microphones when it's not their time to talk and trying to fire off sound effects. And I think it's going to be something really unique, something really different. And if it works out, maybe it's something we can make, you know, an annual thing. Uh, maybe it's something we can try again closer to Halloween. These guys That's are... That's what I was going to say. Can we resurrect it and do an homage, basically? Well, we can... As long as we keep doing original scripts. Because the problem is anything that's copyrighted, like if we wanted to do you know, some of these actual old shows, if we wanted to recreate some of those scripts, or if we wanted to do like a War of the Worlds type that's thing... That's what I'm saying. Redo Orson Welles. These, these things are copyrighted. So we wouldn't actually be able to broadcast them over the air because they're they're copyrighted and we can't perform. See, it's a little bit different with with drama than it is with music. You know, whatever licensing they have here at the station that allow us to play music, you know, we can get away with playing little clips of songs. But when it comes to dramatic performances, there's a licensing fee to be able to put them on in a public fashion, whether it be televised, you know, broadcast over the radio or a performance in a theater. So, uh, I mean, we could look into seeing what that would kind of cost and maybe do some sort of fundraiser to pull it off. But, um, you know, these guys are cranking out original scripts. They're already telling me about ideas that they have for future ones that are great. And I think they can keep cranking out original stuff left and right that we could certainly keep using um, because they've, they're so full of ideas and they do such a good job of, of creating characters that it's hard to create a character that you have to give depth to when you can only hear their voice. And uh, I think that it'll be a credit to them as the writers and a credit to the actors who perform it uh, if we can pull it all off. Matt Costa, are you going you gonna to try and do a speaking role too or are you going to have your hands full with the sound effects? I don't know. It's going to be uh, quite a feat if we pull this off. We're going to practice, practice, practice. practice. That's, that's, that's definitely it. John, practice. Uh, we'll, when we work in our day job, I'll like yell out the uh, audio cue and then you can yell out what sound effect you'll play at that time. You know. <laughs> We'll come up with, like, drills you can do, like, pushing on the sled. You're like, ah, baby fox, ah. You know, we'll, <laughs> we'll come up with all kinds of ways to, to make sure that we get it right, at least on that end of things. And we'll practice with the actors. And we'll, we'll make sure we do the best damn job we can because our listeners deserve it. So, yeah, imagine that. Imagine if we actually had an audience out there. There's a big, big stone patio right in front of us with no businesses there that will be open at the time. There's, there's definitely plenty of room where people could come and check it out. That's a good idea. We shouldn't. People should come down and watch us perform it. Have somebody outside videotape it as we do it. Oh, I'm hoping to have somebody inside. That too. Maybe even TV news crews, but we'll get into all that later on. So, uh, so Matt, you're not going to be here with us next week because you'll be in TAPSCON, but you right. will check in with us if you can. I know that you're going to be conducting some investigations down there. Yeah, I'm going to be handling mainly the basement area, mm -hmm. giving the uh, tours down there and Heading out the investigation of the basement. And we will try and, you know, call some people that are going to be down at TAPSCON. I know, I know Dustin said he'll try and have a few minutes for us on the phone. He's going to be hanging out with Rob and Barry, so maybe we can, you know, pass the phone around and, and get the GHI crew on the telephone. And It's just everybody's going to be down there. I mean, if, uh, if anybody wanted to wipe out the paranormal in one fell swoop, it's kind of like when they have the U.N. meeting where the president goes to talk to the U.N. Mm -hmm. You know, you can kind of take care of everything all in one shot type of thing. If anybody ever wanted to, you know, explode the paranormal in a good way, if anybody ever wanted to give it the proper attention it deserves, TAPSCON's the place to do it. So media, mass media, get out there. Get down there. Cover this. It's a meeting of the minds. It's like the, it's, it's like the Bilderberg meeting of the paranormal, we could say. Right? No? Yeah. No? It's like the, uh, what's it? Bohemian Grove? 
Okay. It's the Bohemian Grove of the paranormal. It's all the all the important people getting together to play. <laughs> Maybe the Bilderbergers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, definitely get down and check that out and, and uh, all the other events coming up as well. We'll always keep you up to date here and on SpookySouthCoast.com. Uh, so stay tuned. Next week we're going to work on a bunch of different stuff. And then in two weeks, that live radio drama. And then before you know it, it's going to be August. And the summer's going to be almost over. And then it'll be what? Halloween time. Because Halloween for us starts right at, right around Labor Day. So it'll be Halloween time, and we'll have plenty of action-packed shows for you as long as the Red Sox will allow us. Thank you, by the way, Boston, for making it a two-hour show tonight. Because uh, they, they took care of business pretty quickly. So if they can do that on more Saturday nights, we'll be happy. But next week we will be absolutely here at our regular time because it's an afternoon game, 10 o'clock Eastern, no, 10.05 after the news. We'll be here to talk with you about the paranormal as we are each and every week. So until then, I'm Tim Weisberg from Matt Costa, from Matt Moniz. We want you all to stay spectacular. Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy and what you have just heard was not fiction. Although, in many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. It's over for now, it seems. Or at least, until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to.